You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Walker Mail on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Now, you might think we're not daily right now. If you are new to Locked On Hornets, we usually are a daily podcast, certainly during the season. And we'll pick that up once again really at the beginning of October. Right now, just not a ton of content coming out, although there have been a couple of stories that have broken really the last couple of weeks or so for the Charlotte Hornets. But we are going to be daily once we get back into the swing of things, once the NBA regular season starts up again, we will be the only daily podcast if you are a Charlotte Hornets fan and want to catch some Hornets content. You can get Locked on Hornets on Google Podcast and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and when you get in your car or you get home from work, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. Now, we did have something that broke, I believe it was Friday of last week, and it was that Michael Jordan was selling a portion of the team. Rick Bennell had another exclusive, working hard over there at the paper. Rick Bennell had the exclusive with Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego that I addressed in last week's pod. And then again, Friday, Rick Bennell had that exclusive that Michael Jordan was indeed selling a portion of the team. Now, a couple of things we don't know about it are, one, exactly how much he's selling of the team. We don't know the percent of equity that he's selling to a couple of hedge fund managers from New York. So we don't know exactly what that portion is. And we don't know exactly why. We can infer on one of them, though. We can't speculate on how much he actually sold of the franchise, but we can infer why. So Michael Jordan bought this team back all the way in 2010. And when he did so, when he decided to put an investment in with the Charlotte Hornets, he invested uh, $180 million. And that would have bought him roughly about 65% of the NBA expansion franchise. And because of that, because we know that $180 million was roughly 65% of the team, we know that we can value the franchise at about $287 million because then-owner Bob Johnson agreed to pay the NBA a $300 million expansion fee and that was seven years earlier when the Charlotte Bobcats were born. So at the time, Michael Jordan took over, a way that he was able to build more and more equity was that the Charlotte Bobcats were losing money annually. So every single year, the Bobcats slash Hornets, Bobcats then, were losing money every single year. And so Michael Jordan would go to the minority owners and see if they wanted to pay in order to catch up because of all of the annual losses and no minority owner wanted to throw in enough money to cover the losses, which would mean Michael Jordan would eventually do so. But in doing so, it only gained Michael Jordan more equity and a source close to the team reported to Rick Bennell. And then he reported to us that Michael Jordan now owns 97% of the team, or at least he did at the time of the sale. So his control went all the way up to 97% for the entire Charlotte Hornets organization. And so we don't know exactly, again, how much he decided to sell. But it would make sense. We can infer, even though he didn't tell us why he sold, we can infer that he probably just wanted to cash in on a little bit of that value. We do know that Michael Jordan is still going to be the majority owner. We know that he's still going to control all of the decisions. 
He's still going to control who is going to be the head decision maker, who the next Rich Cho, who the next Mitch Kupchak is going to be if he does decide to fire Mitch Kupchak. And he still is going to control whether Mitch Kupchak keeps his job and eventually down the line like James Borrego, and he'll still be making a lot of the basketball decisions, or at least putting people in place to make the basketball decisions. Rick Bennell is not reporting that Michael Jordan wants to get out in any way. All of this simply means, at least it looks, like it means that Michael Jordan just wanted to cash in on some of the value of the Charlotte Hornets franchise. Because when it was... $300 $300 million, roughly, $287 million when he purchased it, and then he gained 97% equity as the years went on. Now the franchise, according to Forbes, is worth $1.3 billion. And that's one of the worst values in all of the NBA, according to Forbes, but it's just that the NBA, with a lot of the money that they've been able to gain throughout the years, in large part because of the TV contracts that the NBA agreed to, The Charlotte Hornets, again, are valued at 1.3, and so when Michael Jordan owns 97% equity in a $1.3 billion franchise, after just buying in for 180 and eventually putting money in to cover the losses to get to 97, then you can cash in a little bit. And it's funny to see that Michael Jordan, not only is he cashing in a little bit on the Hornets franchise, but also Michael Jordan has (laughs) gotten into tequila. He's now in a group with Jeannie Buss, who I believe is headlining this. Uh, Michael Jordan and Jeannie Buss, along with a couple of others, actually are opening a new tequila brand. Which is funny because what I always think of is Michael Jordan in New York City walking down the streets with a Henny bottle in his hand. (laughs) And he just looks absolutely wasted. (laughs) And the eyes are just, he just looks trashed walking down the street of New York with a Henny bottle in his hand. But now it's just going to be tequila. So you can switch bottles there. So Michael Jordan is in the tequila business, and he partnered with a bunch of super wealthy NBA owners to launch tequila. Uh, he's now with Jeannie Buss, an owner of the Lakers. Uh, Wes Edens, who's a part of the Bucks franchise. Wyclef Grusbeck, of course, a part of the Boston Celtics franchise. And his wife, Amelia Fasolari. And they just dropped the tequila called... Sincoro, and it's a new premium tequila. So we'll see exactly how much that's going to be. Uh, but interesting that Michael Jordan is deciding to cash in on some of these things. He's, he's a businessman. So he's cashing in on some of this with the Hornets, and also he's opening up a new business as far as tequila goes. And so it looks like Michael Jordan still wants to be in the game. Look, Rick does make a good point in his Charlotte Observer article when he starts to answer a lot of these questions. You know, Rick makes a good point about Michael Jordan being hyper-competitive, whether you agree with what he's done or not. I imagine a lot of people do not. That's well within your right with some of the decisions that he's decided to make over the years. But somebody that is hyper-competitive, I can't imagine him going out like this. Right? Without a playoff series win? I mean, I would imagine Michael Jordan wants to at least win one playoff series before he calls it quits. I mean, they have not been, we all know this, they haven't been a successful franchise, and I can't imagine Michael wants that on his resume. Everything he's done, for a large part, he's been successful, and I imagine he wants this thing to go the right way, but hopefully, and and hopefully, it can happen, as they have made a couple of interesting moves this offseason, deciding to get rid of Kimba Walker, 
bringing on Terry Rozier. And of course, we'll get into all of that as the season goes on. Support the people that support us like Peloton. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D to get started. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with a little bit more on the Michael Jordan sale right after the break. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're back here on Locked On Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail. And, of course, you can find Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH when he comes back. And I want to get Nada back. I've said that a million times, but we're probably going to have to do that in October. You can find him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. Nada probably the best follow out of all of us. Always tweeting. So go follow Nada at Nada the Scribe. Want to talk a little bit more about this Michael Jordan sale? You know, one thing we didn't talk about this is how much does this sale matter? Because when you look at him still not relinquishing control of the franchise. You might think, well, it just it doesn't matter. But it, it probably does a little bit, just in the matter of you bring in a couple of guys that if Michael Jordan does one day decide to relinquish all of the control, then the two hedge fund managers that purchased a part of the team, the names are Gabe Plotkin and Daniel Sunheim, they would probably gain control. And Rick Bennell reports in the Charlotte Observer when he wrote an article following up on some of the questions that listeners and readers might have. You know, He said that he did talk to an NBA executive, and the NBA executive said he'd be surprised if Plotkin and Sunheim did not include in any of the sale that if Michael Jordan decided to lose control of the team, that those two hedge fund managers would get first refusal to the majority control. And so that is pretty significant. If MJ does decide, you know what, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too much stress. It's a, it's a hit on my reputation. I went out. Then that would be significant at that point because these are the two guys that you're looking for. And you're looking at some smart guys that are just going to be a part of the ownership group anyway. So it does make sense. It does make sense for Michael Jordan to sell, but also it makes sense for these guys to uh, make sure that they would have the right to first refusal of gaining control of the team. And at that point, it probably should be explored what these guys might be all about. And so it is significant to some degree, even if it is just Michael Jordan trying to make a couple of bucks, it does still make this, uh, it, it does still make it significant. So it's interesting, right? I mean, Michael Jordan is, I talked with Josh Lloyd about this. I've been on his podcast a couple of times now. I did a preview of the Charlotte Hornets and he also asked me to be on his show, I think it was a couple, it was a week ago, and this broke on Friday, actually came on the following Sunday and talked a little bit about this. And, you know, he was asking some of the same questions that you might about the control and stuff. And then he just asked about Michael Jordan 
making bad moves in general, right? I mean, this is something we already know. There's a lot of people that don't like Michael Jordan and the way that he's run this franchise. You know, we can get into the Frank Kaminsky stuff where Boston offered 1,800 picks in order to get Justice Winslow, but the Hornets decided to go with Frank Kaminsky instead. Zach Lowe coined it the godfather offer. You know, a lot of people, I think, think about Michael Jordan refusing that offer when Danny Age made it. You can put the quotes in the air if you want. That'll be up to you. But it's interesting to see, you know, not that I'm putting on a cape for Michael, but, you know, there are rumors that Michael actually wanted Donovan Mitchell alongside Steve Clifford. And it's funny because we know Rich Cho wanted Malik Monk. That's the story I think most Hornets fans are familiar with, is that Rich Cho wanted Malik Monk in a year where it was going to determine whether he was going to keep his job any further after that season or not. He wanted the guy that a lot of people were excited about coming out of college. And that was Malik Monk. And Steve Clifford, of course, winning the better defender, won a Donovan Mitchell. I think that's the story we all pretty much know, is that Rich Cho won that battle because he's the general manager, and draft picks usually fall on the general manager's shoulders. But it's rumored that Michael Jordan actually won a Donovan Mitchell alongside Steve, alongside Steve Clifford as well. And you know what? That doesn't surprise me. Out of all of the things that Michael Jordan has been accused of meddling in, I think it's pretty well known that Michael let Steve Clifford run the team the way that he wanted to. You know, Steve Clifford has constantly said that Michael was nothing but fair to him, and he said he didn't meddle at all in the day-to-day operation, at least of who is playing on the court, at least how he's running the team. You know, I buy into that, and I think you can buy into that a lot just because of the way that the Orlando Magic is being run right now, right? I mean, you can see that the Orlando Magic have adopted a Steve Clifford defensive identity. You can see that this is a a team that was able to get to the playoffs in a similar reclamation project. It was a lot bigger one here in Charlotte, but a similar reclamation project that the Magic had not been to the playoffs in a long time, and Steve Clifford was able to get them there very early in his career, the first season that he was a head coach with the Magic. Just a lot of similarities in that regard. And so I can believe it when Steve... You might might think of Steve Clifford saying, oh, of course he's going to say good things about Michael Jordan. MJ was the owner. He was Steve Clifford's employer. But I can buy into that. And so all of, of all the things that MJ is accused of meddling in, like I, I, there's no doubt about it. I mean, MJ wanted Frank Kaminsky. You know, that, that has been reported enough that he's like, all right, cool, they're going to go draft Frank. You know, I think MJ did want Cody Zeller as well, which I, I like Cody Zeller. I know he's kind of 50-50 on whether people like him or not. I do think Michael Jordan did want Cody Zeller, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, it's just interesting Like, I've always thought it was a little overblown. I I don't think he's the greatest owner in the world. I think there's a lot of owners that are significantly better than what Michael Jordan has demonstrated in his tenure as controlling the Charlotte Hornets. But I've always thought the meddling has been a little overblown. You know, and with the Kimball Walker stuff, the, the meddling came in as far as he didn't want to pay the luxury tax if the team was not going to make a deep playoff run. And that's something I always kind of understood. You know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks are the team that I think has deserved a lot of, uh, of criticism. For ownership to not want to pay Malcolm Brogdon because they were going to dip into the luxury tax even more, 
Like, I get it if you're worried about his injury. I get it that in that way. But Malcolm Brogdon's good. And you decided to let him walk to go to the Indiana Pacers, an Eastern Conference team that, look, I don't think they're going to beat the Bucks this year. I don't think they're going to get past them. But it's a Pacers team that if Victor Oladipo does come back fully healthy and let's just say Miles Turner takes a step up, Sabonis and Turner can play together. They can coexist on the court together because Nate McMillan and that franchise have said, you know, they're going to try to go big this year. Both of those guys are going to get significant minutes. If, if everything goes right for the Pacers, then, you know, they could be a team that surprises some people in the East. Of course, you have Philadelphia already very good. That's an extremely talented starting five. My point is the Bucks could have gotten better this offseason, and they didn't in my eyes. And they, they, they could have gotten better, or they could have stayed the same at least. Maybe stayed the same is the right thing. So they let Malcolm Brogdon go. And that's exactly when you decide to go into the luxury tax is to keep good players even if it means going into the luxury tax so your team can remain good. So you don't get weaker. So you lose So you lose a Malcolm Brogdon, but you gain and a Miritich, but Miritich, I don't know if he was going to stay. I mean, he's going to be making a lot of money in Europe, but he took less to go to Europe because he just wanted to go overseas again, which, okay, you lose him, that hurts, but you were going to have to lose one of those guys anyway. I just didn't think you were actually not going to pay Brogdon. I thought you were. And so when we're comparing these situations, right, like when you're comparing when an owner should actually go into the luxury tax, when you have a team like Milwaukee had, you pay Malcolm Brogdon. The, the way that you get out of that is if you really do think that his injury is going to end his career prematurely. If you think that injury is going to take away a lot more uh, of his basketball ability as we go forward, if you think the injury is more troublesome than what healthy Malcolm Brogdon can give you, if you think that risk is greater than the reward, then okay. Which maybe they think that, I don't know. But after Eric Bledsoe performed the way he did in the playoffs, just atrocious, especially after signing him to a contract in the middle of that year, which, man, you know, look, I, I feel like I was the only one, and there's been plenty of guys that I've missed on, but, man, I was never – like, I like Eric Blood so fine. I just always think he's one of these guys that people are so enticed with. And I did not like the contract at that time, even if it was $18 million for a guy that a lot of people felt was really good. Boy, he did not show up in the playoffs. So my point is, as I try to bring this back home to the Charlotte Hornets, you know, if you're the Bucks. That's when you go into the luxury tax. That's when you decide to do so. If you're the Charlotte Hornets and you're not and, and you're not putting a team out there that can actually make a deep run into the postseason, then I'm not paying the luxury tax either. What point is it? It doesn't make any sense to me. So Michael Jordan is going to control the team still, and we'll see maybe if that one day comes, and I'm sure people will rejoice once that happens, but it's not coming right now. Right now, he's just trying to make a couple of bucks off of this team and off of some tequila. We have one more segment to go here on the Locked on Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
know a lot of you guys are Panthers fans, and so for that, I apologize because the city of Charlotte, professional sports right now, it's not a very good state that all of us are in, and I do apologize for that. Not that I have any personal doing in making these franchises not very good, but I do apologize for everybody going through the same similar type of pain that I'm going through. You know, having to talk about the Hornets and the Panthers, I, I was hoping that you know, for the Hornets, we all got what was going to happen, right? Like, we understand that this is going to be a rebuilding year for the Hornets. And so we're all very prepared to go into the season with a 20-victory year where you're just hoping to see some development and growth from the young guys. That's what we're hoping to see. Like, our expectations, I feel like even the best, the most positive of expectations for the Hornets could be, hey, everything goes right. We have a lot of young guys that actually play really well and... Maybe they get to 30. Like, that's absolutely best-case scenario is that they find a way to get to 30 wins and the young guys actually look good. Malik Monk takes a step up. It just takes a little while, but he actually shows some improvement. Miles Bridges looks like someone that can maybe be a fringe all-star or an all-star that gets there maybe four times in his career, something like that. Maybe multi-time all-star, but not perennial one. You know what I mean? If everything works out, like, that's even the most positive of Hornets takes. You go to the Carolina Panthers, who have gotten off to a worst-case scenario start. You, know, you go back to even just a month before, before Cam Newton had that foot injury. I think the expectations in the best possible way was, how Carolina's made enough improvements, they absolutely have the ability to win the Super Bowl. Because the NFL is different than the NBA once teams get to the postseason. We know that. We've seen a ton of wildcard teams actually make a hot run into the postseason. And we've seen a few actually win the Super Bowl from the wild card spot. You know, the NFL in a salary cap stricken sport where you don't have, you know, the luxury tax to dabble into if you want to. You know, the NFL usually it, it employs a lot of even teams. And so the NFL, you know, besides the New England Patriots who are constantly there, right? When you have the head coach uh, that is Bill Belichick and the quarterback that is Tom Brady, you can expect them to be at least in the AFC championship game every year. But everybody else, like every single other team that gets in the postseason, they have a shot to win it all. And so if Carolina had a healthy Cam Newton playing under Norv Turner for another year, so another year of Norv Turner's offense that he's familiar with, where Curtis Samuel has the training camp of his life, looks like he's unguardable, DJ Moore, first-round pick. There was a lot to like about this Panthers team. You know, I thought Marty Herney did a good job in the offseason for the most part. You know, drafting Brian Burns. Brian Burns is actually one of the few positives you can take away from what the Panthers have shown you the first couple of uh, games. Oh, the defensive line, like, I, it seemed like everybody liked the Gerald McCoy edition. Everybody wanted a safety. You bring back Trey Boston, which is certainly better than what Rashawn Galden would have given you back there. That's one pick maybe a couple years ago you didn't like, including myself, but you at least get Trey Boston. This was a team that if you had the best of expectations, it probably means a championship. Like, I, I didn't think a championship was out of the question by any means. I thought Cam Newton in those first eight games last year had taken a significant step up. The completion percentage was up. He was taking the layups. You just were hoping to combine that with the deep ball every once in a while. That just wasn't there. And, of course, we all know how the second half of last season went for the Carolina Panthers. It's just it's a rough time for professional sports in Charlotte. Cam Newton was as bad as I'd ever seen him play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And also, Darrell Williams put together the worst performance that we had ever seen from a Panthers left tackle. 
And this is a team that put Matt Khalil out there on the left side. Like, Matt Khalil would have a couple of the games where he would have a game every single week where there would be a play that you just had zero clue what he was doing. He would let a guy go free right to Cam Newton. But, man, Shaq Bear did that a few times against Darrell Williams. There's a play I feel like I saw Darrell Williams not even get a hand on Shaq Barrett, and he tried. It's not like he missed his assignment. He tried. <laughs> and so now you have Carolina 0-2 going up against the Arizona Cardinals with Kyle Allen as the starting quarterback because Cam Newton re-aggravated a foot injury. Oh, man. Like, that was the team that was supposed to get to the playoffs and potentially make a run to the Super Bowl. That was the team. Like, we knew what Charlotte was going to do, but Carolina, we had expectations for them. And maybe you haven't given up. Hell, it's only the third game of the season that we're going into. If they could beat Arizona with Kyle Allen at quarterback, Vegas has them, by the way, as a two-and-a-half-point underdog, which is surprising. <laughs> maybe not with Kyle Allen at quarterback. But, you know, it, they could beat Arizona. And then they go 1-2, and then if they can pull off an upset against Houston. You know, it's, it's not crazy, but it certainly is not headed in the right direction right now. So I apologize for all the Carolina Panthers fans that are also Charlotte Hornets fans that are, you know, local to their teams through and through. I'm with you. You know, I'm pulling for both of these teams. But, man, just the way that the Panthers season has started off, it is not good. And it seemed like that was the team that we had the expectations for this season. And they certainly are not living up to them. We appreciate you listening here. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. I'm hoping Doug will be back at the beginning of October. Then we'll start to get a little bit more daily. It is very crazy busy. Actually, going to be calling a high school game, game of the week, on 730 The Game. ESPN Charlotte. You can catch that if you like high school football. You can catch me call uh, Barry at West Charlotte tonight. But also I'm doing some stuff with uh, Charlotte 49ers who are off to a pretty good start, 2-1. and one. So a lot of local things going on as far as collegiate and professional sports for me. But I, I appreciate you being patient with me getting these Hornets podcast out again. It will pick up to daily as soon as we get to October. Always appreciate you guys. Thanks again. And remember, you can catch us anywhere on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.